You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. All right, if you want to take out your Bibles and go to the New Testament, we're going to be there this morning. And if you have a Bible app, you can always go in there. If you have the Riverside uh, app, I want to encourage you to turn in the live event notes And you also have some notes that you'll find in your bulletins. If you want to follow along there today, you can do that. I want to welcome those of you who are listening by podcast. Glad to have you here this morning. Hope that you'll take advantage of the app and follow along if you're listening uh, online. If you're visiting with me again today, I'm so glad to have you here today. I want to encourage you just to join right in with us as we study God's Word together. We're wrapping up this message series that we've been in uh, and talking about this idea of hands-on, the healing touch of Jesus. And Jesus would stretch out his hands. He would minister to people, body, mind, and soul. And two weeks ago, we looked at how Jesus ministered to individuals in terms of touching their bodies and bringing a healing at the very core of who they were physically. And then last week, we talked about a man who was terribly tormented in his mind. And we talked about how Jesus brings healing to our minds. And this morning, we're going to conclude this series by talking about how Jesus heals the very soul. And the soul that we're looking at today was a soul that was set free. So that's where we're going to be headed this morning. As you saw in the bumper video, the really the central text is Jesus came and he said, you know what? I didn't come for people who think that they're healthy. I came for people who know that they're sick. And I told the Oakmont crowd last week when I was preaching there that I'm sick. You need to know that about me. I'm sick and I'm a sinner and I need Jesus just as much as any of us do today. So it's my privilege to be able to unpack this story that we're going to look at this morning that really shows us the heart of Jesus for those, for everyone, but especially for those who find themselves on the edges of society. The guy that we're looking at here this morning, as we're going to see, was a man that had a very troubled soul. He was deeply impacted by his encounter with Jesus, and we're going to see this. He was a man who was broken, And he had alienated nearly everyone around him. He had made some very poor choices throughout the course of his life. He had kind of gone over to the dark side, if you would allow me to use a Star Wars metaphor. He made choices that brought him a certain amount of money, a certain amount of wealth, a certain amount of power, a certain amount of prestige in certain societal corners. But those choices had hurt many others, and it had cost him dearly. And his, his, what he did was he sold his soul for temporary gain. And the result was guilt and remorse and shame. And if you come into this place today and you can kind of relate to those things, maybe you've made some poor decisions along the way in life or maybe you're feeling particularly guilty or, or remorseful or full of shame, then this story has the opportunity to bring you freedom. The power of Jesus that works in this man's life is still here in this place today to bring wholeness to you, to bring healing to you. And I've been praying already before you ever walked in today and found your seat that God would meet you in this place. So Lord, as we sit here in this place, as we prepare ourselves for what you want to do, we open ourselves up to you. Lord, I pray for those that might be here for the very first time. As they sit, as they hear, as they study your word today, God, would you please help them to understand who you are and the plan that you have for their lives. And for us, Lord, who call this place home, we're here on a regular basis, help us not to take this time for granted. Help us not to just sit back and and be on our devices in other um, social media outlets or other places, playing games, whatever it might be. God, help us to be able to focus our attention on you and your word in these next few moments. We ask this in your name, Jesus. 
Amen. So, this guy, guilt, remorse, shame, money was an issue for him. And in the middle of all of this, Jesus invites himself to this man's house. And if you've been around Christianity for very long, you've been around church for very long, you've heard of this guy. He was a man that would be impacted forever. And I love the story that's recorded in Luke chapter 19. Jesus comes into this man's darkness, and the darkness fled from this man. And the result, as we're going to see, was total transformation. So here we go, Luke 19 and verse 1. Jesus entered where? Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Come on now, you grew up in Sunday school, people, you know this, right? I never could relate to Zacchaeus in terms of the height issue, but that's another story. Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Money was his downfall. He pursued it, he hoarded it, and he worshiped it. And you've been around here for very long. You know that we talk about tax collectors quite a bit. Tax collectors were hated by the Jewish people. They were traitors. They were thieves. They were working for this Roman occupying military world that they found themselves, this empire. And they were Jewish of Jewish roots. And they say, you know what? Money's more important to us than our Jewish roots. We're going to work for Rome. And there was no regulation regarding collecting taxes. You could collect as much for Rome as they required. And then from there, you got to go above and beyond. So you got to gouge your neighbor every opportunity that you wanted. Not only were they um, thieves and traitors and looked down upon, they were because of what they did, they were ceremoniously unclean. Therefore, they could not participate in all of the Jewish experiences that certainly a guy like Zacchaeus would have grown up, hopefully expecting, at least by his parents. Zacchaeus actually means righteous one. And to call a tax collector in that day righteous would be like calling the town hooker chastity. It was an oxymoron. And here's Zacchaeus in the middle of all this. And Jesus comes to him, and he's not only just a tax collector, but the scripture says that he is a chief tax collector. In other words, he was responsible for a group of tax collectors. So he had gone up the ranks, and he was a man of influence and power, but he was an outcast among his own people. So Jesus, he hears about Jesus. And he hears that Jesus is coming into town, and he is a lost soul. He has wandered from his roots, and he had squandered his faith by pursuing wealth. Now, before we throw Zacchaeus under the bus, and it's really easy for us to be able to do that today, I think that if we're honest with ourselves, we have to admit that deep down inside, we want more financial security. We want more money. We want more riches and more prosperity. Deep down inside, most of us, there's something that, hey, who wouldn't want just a little bit more? Maybe a little bit more and yet a little bit more. And the truth is, more than anything else, money has the power to corrupt our souls. In our world today, Jesus, as you will see if you study the New Testament, spoke more about money than he did any other subject matter, which means he must have thought that it would have a grip, that it would have a power over us, and certainly it has the power if we are not careful to corrupt our souls. So I got to ask you this morning, how is your soul? What guilt, what shame, what remorse do you bring into this place? What's gripping your conscience right now? My favorite song is It Is Well, 
with my soul. And I, people will ask me, how is it? And I'll say, it's well with my soul. The question is this morning, is it well with your soul? Verse three. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, wee little man, wee little man was he, he could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And here's the amazingly awesome good news for you and me today. As we walk through the rest of these verses, you're going to see that Jesus specializes in finding and fixing lost, broken souls like you and like me. That's good news. Amen? That's amazing news. So, I read these verses and I say, how can I be made right? How can I be made whole? How can God bring a a healing, a setting free to my spirit internally that will forever change my life and transform me? As I read through these things, I want you to notice three things in particular that Zacchaeus did that you and I can do that will help us to be made right again, that will help us to be reconciled to God. And if you're a a visitor today, if you're a guest and you're exploring faith, or maybe you've been coming for weeks or maybe even months, today is your day for a soul recreation. Today is your day when you can say, Jesus, I want to put my faith and my trust in you. Zacchaeus did it. Certainly, Jesus is here in this place today to do this in your life as well. Verse 5. When, he, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to Zacchaeus and he said, you're a traitor, you're a sinner, and you are headed to hell, and I'm happy about it. Nope. It's not what he said. It's what we might have expected him to say. Certainly the Jewish people around Jesus would have loved it. They'd have cheered him on. But what he says next is dumbfounding to them. Zacchaeus, come down immediately I must stay at whose house? Your house. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. I read those verses and I'm challenged that I need to welcome Jesus in. Jesus is pursuing us. He's pursuing you. And Zacchaeus realizes that Jesus is coming to town, but he never imagined that he was coming for him. Zacchaeus went out of his way to find Jesus, but what he ended up finding out was that Jesus had been searching for him all along. You're here in this place. Maybe you're searching. Maybe you're looking. You need to know that your heavenly Father is pursuing you. And be open to that. Jesus is looking for us. That's the miracle of grace. Before you ever even think to look for God, he's already searching for you. He is always and forever the great initiator. He wants you to have relationship with him. He did everything that he could to come to you, to make faith available to you, to make trust available to you. So how are you doing today at welcoming Jesus into your life? He already knows your name. He already knows your need. And he's intimately concerned about that. And he wants you to take him home with you so that he can start this internal recreation, this reconstruction of your soul. That's good news. Zacchaeus took a risk and he climbed a tree. And I want to applaud those of you who have taken that risk over the years. You've come in like today. Today's a risk. You come into church, you come into church in a mall. 
Seriously? What are these people all about? Are they a cult? What's going on? I'm glad you're here. We're, we're here for you. All of you that have taken that risk and gotten up in the tree and you've checked this place out, or you've checked Jesus out in some way and you've begun to explore faith with him. Sometimes I know that we feel like God gives up on us, that he stops pursuing us, that we're not truly worthy of his pursuit. I need you to hear this this morning, that God has not given up on you. Do you get that? God has not given up on you. Your family may have given up on you. Your spouse may have given up on you. Your friends may have cast you aside. They think you're just not worth it. Your coworkers, I don't know who it might be, but God, your heavenly Father, has not given up on you. He is still pursuing you in your Jericho, right there where you live. Zacchaeus' heart begins to change when he gets this. He begins to understand this when Jesus calls him by name. And when Jesus reaches out and invites himself to dinner, which is a very intimate thing in that culture. I mean, imagine if somebody just, you know, showed up at your door tonight, five o'clock, and just said, hey, I'm here for dinner. Hope you're ready for me. In fact, I might try that this week. I just might show up at your house and say, hey, what are we having for dinner? So be prepared. You never know. That's what Jesus did. And this transformation happens for you and for me when we say, yes, Jesus, come on in. The metaphor of the house is you and me. And we open ourselves up and we welcome him in. He waits for us to open the door. And then he comes right on in. So have you sensed that God might be doing that in you even this morning? Calling out to you by his Holy Spirit. Could it be that it's not my voice that you're hearing, it's the voice of your heavenly Father saying, welcome me in. I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Would you open the door so that we could begin to work on your soul together? To set your soul free. Could it be that other people around you have invited you, haven't pointed you to this time, to this place, for you to hear these words that Jesus asks, invites himself to come in, but he won't force himself in. You have to open the door yourself. You have to draw, open that door and let him come in into your home, into your relationships, into your marriages, into your friendships, into your businesses. It's not that he just wants to come in and set our souls free. He wants to bring new life, abundant life, all the way across the board in every arena of our lives, in every arena of our culture. And he wants us to be a part of that. Now again, I think Zacchaeus had to have been shocked that Jesus would be looking for him, that Jesus would make him his agenda. And that may surprise you as well, that Jesus would make you his agenda. But he has and he is today in this moment. I need to welcome Jesus in. I continue to read here and I see that I also need to believe that Jesus loves even me. Do you really believe that? Do you honestly, at the core of who you are, 
believe that God loves you. We know it intellectually, but does it find a lodging place deep within us? So many people that I talk to in private conversations say, I just, they say, I just feel very unlovable. I don't see how God could love me. Again, let me remind you that I don't, the, the, the clearest demonstration of that is what we're celebrating in just a few weeks. Jesus hanging on a cross in his own blood to tell you that he loves you. So if you truly believe that, could I challenge you to allow that belief that God loves you, to allow that love to flow through you toward others? There's an amazingly dark side to this story. And we, as the longer we follow God, the longer we have relationship with Christ, that should drive us to be more loving, more compassionate, more caring, and more concerning for others around us. But unfortunately, this crowd is completely oblivious to what's going on. They miss it, and I don't want us to miss it either. While one person, this guy Zacchaeus, is being forgiven, his past is being washed away, the sin and the mess of his life is being forgiven, there's a whole group of other people who in the midst of a God reconciliation, they're angry that Jesus would be so liberal with God's love. Look at it in verse 17. All the people saw this and began to mutter. Read, angrily whine and complain. They were frustrated by this. He has gone to be the guest of a what? Of a sinner. It's you and me. Some people that I come in contact, they seem to believe that God sent Jesus into the world only to make good people better, and nothing could be further from the truth. He came into this world for the sick, for the hurting, for those that know that they need a Savior. They know that they need a Redeemer. They know that they need a reconciler. They are far from God. And the truth is, is that they ask this question of why in the world would Jesus be to go, go into the house of a sinner? Why would he go there and do that? And the answer unequivocally is because Jesus will go wherever he is welcomed. He will come into any place, into any life, into any set of circumstances and offer hope and healing and freedom. And so off goes the crowd in one direction, muttering and grumbling and griping and complaining and frustrated that God's love would be displayed like this. And then off goes Jesus with Zacchaeus to have lunch. And what happens next is so amazing. I want you to not miss this because what happens in this moment is that as they leave, one man climbs down out of a tree to find healing and wholeness and reconciliation and restoration. And another man is about a week away in this story from being put on a tree to die for Zacchaeus and for us. One man comes down out of his tree of shame and just a few days later, 
another one would be put up on a cross on a tree of shame. And so today's your day to climb down out of that tree of shame, guilt, remorse over whatever it might be so that Jesus can apply what he did at the cross to you in fresh new ways and offer you hope and redemption. We welcome Jesus in. We believe that he loves us. We get a hold of that. And then notice what happens next with Zacchaeus. He lets Jesus come in and he lets him clean house. How many of you, just by show of hands today, your house needs a good cleaning, like at home? Just be honest, okay? It's got some clutter, needs to be dusted, vacuumed, swept, scrubbed, And why are you sitting here? Like, why aren't you at home cleaning? (laughs) You got to let Jesus internally clean your house. Here's the proof of his reconciliation. Look at what happens next in verse 8. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I what? I give this thing that has had control of him, the worship and the adoration and the pursuit and the hoarding of money and wealth and the betrayal of his Jewish roots and all of the stuff that comes with tax collecting, the thievery and the stealing and the rejection of the people, all of that now is being changed within him in a moment. He's not just going to give lip service to being transformed. No, he's going to do something with this transformation. And he says, right here and right now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody, more like because I have cheated people, out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Like he goes crazy over this transformation. Jesus said to him the most beautiful words that the Savior could say, today salvation has come to this house. Because this, too, this man too is a son of Abraham. He's talking about his Jewish roots. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. About right about then, the servants faint because they've seen nothing but greed. They've seen nothing but hoarding, nothing but making money his God. They pass out. They're shocked at what's going on. And Zacchaeus's life teaches us that transformation isn't simply about just saying the right things. It's about changing our behavior to align it to our Heavenly Father and what He's doing in this world. I think that Zacchaeus might be the only person in the Scriptures that had both a spiritual reconciliation and a financial reconciliation with God through the Lord Jesus Christ on the same day, at the same time, at the same meal. We see the spiritual reconciliation. He is healed from his morality, his brokenness, his, uh, his immorality, his sinful patterns, the behavior, the broken heart that he's got. He's spiritually being reconciled. Jesus says today, salvation has come to this house. Spiritual reconciliation, been made right with God in that moment. But then also you'll see here, that the power of money is broken in his life. He has a financial reconciliation. There is a total repentance of his his past financial sin. He confesses honestly and openly, God, I've been in a mess with this, and I want to make this right. I've been sick. I've been in in a bad way with regard 
to money, and there's a transformation that happens that had led so many years to deep regret, deep shame, deep remorse, and now he has begun to be transformed in a moment. And it's a beautiful picture of spiritual reconciliation and financial reconciliation. And I love you enough, I care about you enough as your pastor to share with you today that I see so many folks, in fact, I put it in your notes, far more Christ followers have spiritual reconciliation experiences with Jesus than they do financial reconciliation experiences. That's why so many serious, sincere followers of Jesus have an ongoing, dysfunctional, tormented relationship with money. And God wants to give you a healing today in that. God wants to offer you, through what Jesus did at the cross, not only spiritual reconciliation, which is of utmost importance, but if you just feel this constant tension, this constant guilt and shame and remorse and embarrassment over how your finances have gone throughout the whole of your life, Today is your day to be financially reconciled with your heavenly Father. If you've only been spiritually reconciled, could I dare to say today that I believe at the core of my life and who I am that you're still one reconciliation away from being at total peace with God. You have to have this experience of financial reconciliation with your heavenly Father. If there is still guilt and there is still shame over how you've made your money decisions over the years and you've never allowed the peace of God that transcends all understanding to change how you handle and relate to your finances, God wants to change that today. If you've not yet experienced the brokenness of being freed, the shackles being broken off of your life, the power of money still has control of you. If that's still what you pursue more than anything else, then you need desperately to be financially reconciled to your heavenly father. Zacchaeus experienced that. It wasn't just a spiritual reconciliation. Jesus says today financial reconciliation has come. Salvation has happened spiritually, but look at what's happened. He's no longer under the power of money. He's no longer going to pursue it. He's no longer going to hoard it. He's no longer going to worship it. He's going to be free. Jesus celebrates that, and he's looking to offer you that today as well. So I'll be honest. I doubt if there's a single person in this room that doesn't have a regret over, they've, over how they've handled money at some point or another in their life. Anybody besides me and Amy, we would tell you we've made some mistakes along the way. Three of us, awesome. <laughs> all righty then. Well, I'm going to come sit down and you all are going to preach. <laughs> you got to be honest about this. You got to be able to say, Lord, we've never had a reconciliation, you and me, regarding how I handle my finances. And I totally understand if you've not been trained, if you've not been taught how to handle money, if your parents or grandparents never helped you to figure that out and you were just kind of out there on your own, that's why we have people here at Riverside to offer you help with that. Financial counselors, financial planners, Financial Peace University, people who will sit down with you and offer you help so that not only do you have this amazing spiritual freedom in Christ, but you also can have financial restoration, you could be reconciled to God, that there would be no more angst when it comes to how you relate to money. 
I hope that you'll pursue that. I hope that you'll come talk to me afterwards. I hope you'll say, hey, I want financial reconciliation and we will help you to figure that out. It happened for Zacchaeus and it can happen for you. So what is it that is pulling your soul away today from God? We focused on financial reconciliation because that's what happened in his life. But maybe something else is pulling you away from your heavenly father in this season. Maybe it is money, but for others of us, it might be some, some sort of a substance. It might be some sort of an addictive behavior that we find ourselves. Just, just us and God, we know about it, but that constantly pulls us away. For others of us, it might be food. It pulls us away from God. God looks at us and he says, man, that person, that food is their God. Food is what they are worshiping. For others of us, it might be our sexuality, the abuse of our bodies sexually. It might be sexual activity outside of a marriage relationship that our Heavenly Father says, hey, that's not what I have for you. That's not the best for you. For others, it might be pornography. It might be exercise. You, well, seriously, exercise could be a Yep, absolutely. Exercise can become your God. Others of us, it might be busyness. Whatever it might be, stuff pulls us all away from God. And today's our day to come back and to have our souls set free in fresh, new ways. I'm going to ask you if you would to bow your hearts with me, and we're going to conclude with a time of prayer. I'm going to invite our connection team to head out. Those of you who are going to serve us the communion elements today, our worship team's coming, and they're going to prepare. As they come, I want to encourage you again, just you and the Lord, just heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around, just you and God right now. I'm going to get off this stage and we're going to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit in just a few moments, but it's my core conviction that I have to ask you some questions today based on what you've heard. Jesus said that he came to seek and to save the lost. So as you're sitting there in this place, listening, if you're listening by podcast, what is it that is keeping you from welcoming Jesus into your home? What is it that blocks you from believing that Jesus believes in you, that he loves you? How ready are you right now today to let Jesus clean your house? You say, yeah, but if I let him in, like he's going to actually clean. He's going to pull up the rugs and he's going to see the nasty dirt underneath. Yeah, and he specializes finding and fixing lost and broken souls like me and like you. Yeah, but if he lifts up the toilet seat, no telling what he's going to find under there. Yep, that's what Jesus does. Yeah, but the mold in the fridge, I mean, he couldn't possibly handle that. Nope, he specializes in mold removal. Today is your chance to experience salvation that Jesus says came to Zacchaeus, spiritual reconciliation. How do you do that? Jesus told a story one time between, of two people. One was religious and he prayed this big, elaborate, disgusting prayer. Another one who happened to be a tax collector simply prayed, Lord, 
have mercy on me, a sinner. Today, salvation, reconciliation with your heavenly Father can be yours. It sounds a whole lot like, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus, I open the door. I welcome you in. Come and clean my house spiritually. Change my life and transform my brokenness. Come in and fix what is absolutely jacked up in my world. Make me right with you. I can't talk to God like that for you, but I have prayed desperately this week for those of you who need to pray that way, who need to talk to God in those terms, that you would have the courage to do that. So many of us, we already have, but today, today is another opportunity for transformation. Today, maybe it's a financial reconciliation with your heavenly Father, like Zacchaeus, where you would say, Lord, I've been holding on to my money. Lord, I've been holding on to my kingdom. Lord, I've been holding on to my body. I've been holding on to my company, to my business, to my position, to my sexuality. I've been holding on to that and I've not given you access to that. And so today, all that I am and all that I have is yours. And that you would bow the knee of your heart and be reconciled to Jesus. He came to seek and to save us when we're at our darkest. He loves you. He cares about you. That's why he says the things that he says. And there will be no clearer picture of that than when you hold that bread and when you hold that cup this morning. The Bible says that we are to examine our motives, test our hearts, and come to this meal with holy awe. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And then our connection team is going to distribute the elements. And I'm going to ask you to specifically this morning hang on to them. And I want you to just sit there and I want you just to soak in as David plays just as I am. I want you to allow the music, I want you to allow the expression of this worship to just wash over you to find reconciliation today spiritually, financially, in whatever other way that he might want to be doing that in your life today. Then after David's done and the elements have been distributed, Douglas is going to come and he's going to lead us through receiving the communion elements today. Jesus, thank you for the story that's recorded for us of Zacchaeus's reconciliation, a soul that was set free We declare our need for that again in new and fresh ways today. We want to be spiritually reconciled. We want to be financially reconciled. We want to be made whole and right. And you are still walking among us today by the power, the presence of your Holy Spirit to bring healing and change and transformation. 
Thank you for that. Help us not to miss these moments. Prepare our hearts as we examine ourselves in these final moments to receive these elements of your love, your grace, and your mercy toward us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.